Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great detail all things Real Housewives. My name's Ellie Nunn and for the second time this week, you're supposed to be my friend! Oh my god! My friend! (laughs) My sister and my soulmate! It's my co-host, my ever-patient co-host, Mr. James Evans! Yay! So... James and I can barely look at each other. At the best of times. It's been (laughs) noticeable (laughs) radio silence this week. Uh, A few days ago, Mm. on a cool summer evening, Mm -hmm. James and I sat down and recorded what I would argue was one of our finest episodes. Some of our best work. Mm -hmm. We laughed, we cried. The impressions were on point. I had just come back from a hugely eventful trip, so we were... Slapping our thighs, laughing about that, and uh, I think just a couple of pretty pretty self-satisfied at the end. Exactly, couple of besties patting themselves on the back and going, "That's how you do it." I was like, "By God, we've done it again." That's how you make a goddamn (laughs) podcast. I think we finally become a slick professional production, (laughs) and we can play with the big boys. (laughs) So, I sent off my little voice recording. To James and went on with my day <laughs> and five minutes later I got a message from James just in all capitals just saying Ellie <laughs> listen to your recording and I did and what I heard was the sweet sweet sound of silence it was nada as Simon and Garfunkel said <laughs> It was the sound of silence. So I put in all the audio and I edit everything. So I could see mine and mine, you know, it has the wavelength and everything. I I hear you a little passive aggressive. No, I'm just saying, (laughs) I just want to give you a visual idea of what it looked like to me before I even press play. I was like, (laughs) Ellie's is just a line. It's flatlined. Yeah, she's literally flatlined. She's dead. (laughs) And I ended up doing very much a Vicky Gumbelson impression where I sort of just like shook my head and was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Ellie, oh. <laughs> Ellie. You were like, oh, Jesus, be, be nailed on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, what punishment oh, did my I God. deserve this for? We're laughing now. <laughs> we can laugh now. We can but laugh. But it was definitely, there was a real tension in the air and a real sense. I thought I was going to cry. I think partly because we'd expended a lot of emotional energy on it because mm. when I tell you guys it wasn't just a good app, it wasn't just a funny app. it got deep it got it felt like a really good therapy session mm. the idea of having to do it again <laughs> was just too much to process in that moment especially of all people to have to do the one on Vicky again like, I, exactly to, have to do the Vicky impressions again you have to commit to Vicky you know you can't half-ass a Vicky episode exactly I had to have a lie down. I just, I got down on the floor in the fetal position and just lay there. And then next thing I knew, it's dark outside and here we are. 
<laughs> but you know what, James? I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm really feeling good, good today. I've like got it out of my system and I'm ready yeah. to... Just... Mamma Mia, here we go again. Now, obviously, mm. James, you've heard all of the events of the last few weeks. Yes. But I, I think it's unfair to withhold that information from my older brother, <laughs> who's yes. probably intently listening, being like, but what happened to Ellie in Budapest? <laughs> <laughs> what, what has she been up to? This is my only source of information. Can you hear the loud din of the people? They want the to know. Yes. How was Budapest? Going, Budapest. <laughs> Budapest. <laughs> Well, we can't keep him waiting any longer. No, we can't. Okay, let's just... I'll keep it as short and snappy without skimming over any of the juicy deets. Went to Budapest, was asked repeatedly whether I was in Buda or Pest. After about a week, was able to finally confirm I was in Buda. Hey? Um, oh, there's two parts to it. <laughs> yes. I, I had no idea. The more you know. An education, James. Thank you. An education. So I was there and had this like slightly strange experience that... When we flew over, by the way, we flew on an airline that I swear to God is made up. Even the air hostesses and hosts looked, looked like, shifty. They looked like actors on the Truman Show. You know all those moments in the Truman Show yes. where the guy's like, "I'm an actor. I don't know how to like drive a bus." <laughs> drive the bus, yeah. They literally looked as they're about to take off. Like, what do we like? Do we, like this has gone too far. <laughs> I love this idea that you are in the Truman Show. You've never gone abroad before. This is the closest you've gotten to it. I like to think it's the opposite, that I am in the Truman Show, but it's so international. They've covered LA. Yes, they've covered yeah. Like, they've got those Massive covered, budget. They didn't think about Budapest. Budapest. They were suddenly like, fuck. We had Pest, but we don't have Buda down. Fuck. So they were like, quick, get her on Wiz Airlines. <laughs> and... Um, and then I got an email from the director that was like, you know, wishing you safe travels. Hopefully see you at some point this week. And I was like, eh? In the twilight zone. Dun, dun. And the whole cast, I think, was a bit like, you what? What do you mean some point? <laughs> and we okay. basically got there. And they had, I mean, it's all about splashing the cash. They got us all out there, but with like nothing to do. It was it was a pre-production week. Now, in fairness, I actually had more to do than a lot of people. <laughs> I'm not batting myself on the back. Mm. I just... You carried the show on your back. <laughs> I lugged it. <laughs> lugged it through the streets of Buda. Right. Um, I had quite extensive costume mm. uh, and hair stuff because I was playing a fancy pants. And to be clear, this is, it was all like period and a lot, I'm just like, crapping all over my NDA. Don't worry, it's not going to go far. No one's Exactly. Listening. I'm like, it's literally just Josh. <laughs> uh, but, and then I had like a four and a half hour intimacy rehearsal. Would not recommend. Oh, I mean, would no. recommend, like would definitely recommend intimacy coordinator. <laughs> intimacy coordinator stressed me out more than just winging it. But that's just me. Okay, this was a huge that's debate just me. on set. And not to get too sidetracked, but people kept saying, oh, I feel like it's actually making it more awkward. And I had a big think about it. And I was like, without doubt, it makes it more awkward than, like you say, just sort of shutting down that bit of your brain and just kind of getting on with mm -hmm. it. But I do think that's probably exactly the point. And for as awkward as it was, I thought, I suppose it's better for it to be like unbelievably awkward than to later, if you kind of Ultimately, reopen that yeah. bit of your brain, be like, that was really uncomfortable or that wasn't handled right. Or, 
I, I think yeah. the awkwardness is probably good. I mean, I guess for your show, you kind of needed it. I, I had an intimacy coordinator for the importance of being earnest and she had a traffic light oh. system <laughs> where I had to pair up with the woman playing Cecily and we had to go through each part of our body saying where we're red, where we're green, we where we're orange. That. It's, oh, okay, so it's gone international. It's, it's reached Buddha. <laughs> so just me in the importance of being earnest, being like, I'm pretty green everywhere. Probably my genitals is a red, maybe an orange. Depending on the day, I I just exactly the idea that Cecily would just walk in and just grab cross. Exactly, (laughs) nothing more than a peck on the cheek. Really, that's all it warrants, and I'm happy to shut the conversation down there. Anyway, back to to be fair, this was filming mass orgies. You were like fucking that, so it was quite important. Mm. Anyway, had lovely week just pottering around Budapest, and then. We started filming and this is when my Ellie Nundus really kind of kicked in full force. I was thinking, yes. everything's, been, everything's been a bit chilled. <laughs> everything's well. been going a, bit, a little bit smoothly since I got off Wiz Airlines. Right. <laughs> so it all started with a peach, with the humble peach. As all good stories begin. <laughs> As Roald Dahl. Call me by your name. <laughs> famously. Ellie in Budapest. Yeah, I could go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I ate a peach and started having an allergic reaction. Mm. Which... Is scary no. at the best of times, but... Um, Funny, in retrospect. It was the best of times. It was oh. the best of times. Um, no. But because I have anaphylaxis, it's mm. it's it's particularly scary for me. Now, and of course, being did me... Did you I, have I did, your I did not have Some, my EpiPen. Okay, yeah. Thought as much. Of course I didn't. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I recently this week called the doctor to be like, can I order some EpiPens? And they were like, we have down that you haven't ordered one since 2019. <laughs> and so we need you to have an appointment to like get re-prescribed for them. It's like, good, mm. good. For I'm now best. being refused. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it's, this is how they cleanse out the weaklings. Bloody NHS. I'm private. No. Still... <laughs> <laughs> I will not have but. the NHS take the fall for this. <laughs> No one to blame but myself. Anyway, basically it turns out that the skin on a peach, the kind of hairy, soft, Mm -hmm. fuzzy skin of a peach, I'm allergic to that. So then I got what I thought were hives, Mm -hmm. sort of delayed hives from eating the peach. And I got on set the next day. And I should probably say at this point that no one really spoke English on set. Mm -hmm. Everyone spoke Hungarian. Right. Um, (laughs) Just been a real curveball and be like, everyone was entirely Jamaican Portuguese (laughs) (laughs) and the third AD who sort of spoke some English I was showing her my arm and she was like oh I think those are spider bites Mm -hmm. I was like right yeah cool (laughs) she was like yeah you see how they're like up your arm like it's run up your arm I was like yeah 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 yeah. don't need to paint a picture here yeah yes I do see that And everyone in the cast, basically over the week, they kept coming up. They, they, I kept getting them and only on my arms and it was only me. And everyone was trying to help, but their version of trying to help was to be like, it must be in your bed. <laughs> what? <laughs> or someone would be like, no, no, it's in her costumes. I think it's because the costumes are really old that there must be spiders in the costumes. I think and- it's burrowed under her skin and it's hatched. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> then someone kept being like, maybe it's laid eggs in your arms and that's why it keeps coming up. And I was like, trying really hard to remain calm. Oh my God. And then on the last, oh, and then I was like in full costume about to film this an orgy scene. Mm-hmm. And I get a FaceTime from my darling boyfriend mm. standing sheepishly outside my house being like, um, there's been a gas leak. <laughs> <sighs> oh. <laughs> Go. But of course, 
Anyway, gas leaks all fine. Please, I have an orgy to fuck my way through right Please. now. I'm just like manically scratching my spider bites through the cover-up makeup. And yes, gas leaks all fine. There was a moment where they said they might have to dig up the road outside my house, which was quite stressful. There was a body did. under there. Uh, it's technically on my property, so now I'm under investigation. It's a whole thing. I saw a really funny video yesterday of a guy in court having read out to him all of his internet searches. Have you oh seen God. this? Oh, God. No. Where it's like at 4... At 4.50. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all on him. No reaction. Yeah. It's like, at 4.55 a.m., you Googled how to hide a body in an emergency. <laughs> at 5 a.m., you Googled how to quickly dispose of a body. At 5.50 a.m., <laughs> You googled what to do when you need to get rid of a body. Be like, at 6.05am, you put, what if you murdered someone and you did no. And it just goes on and on. And it made me laugh so much. Um, oh my God. So yes, long story short, on the last day, I got a giant spider bite. Like, mm-hmm. this one was not playing around. This made the other ones look like midge bites. Right. Like, you could see the prop, like the fang marks, mm. and it had gone all swollen. And it was my last day of filming, and they got the medic on set. And she comes in and she looks at my arm and she says something in Hungarian. And no one was really ever, like, translating to me. So I was getting a bit stressed, and I said to the third AD, What does she say? And she was like, she says, fuck. <laughs> and I was like, no, what does she actually say? And she was like, no, she actually just says, fuck. <laughs> um, uh, okay, it's what you want to hear. I was like, great. <laughs> it's the medical opinion, cool. But even then they were like, well, she wants to give you a really strong antihistamine, but it will send you to sleep and we need you to film. And so, yeah, they just didn't give it to me. So it was quite, that was quite stressful. Is it like a thing in Hungary that they are known for particularly they aggressive were, spiders or something? Well, they were really like, oh yeah, that's a spider bite. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think it would occur to me if I saw never. someone with like a big red patch to be like, oh, that's a spider, a spider bite. But also the third AD, when she first said to me, I think that's spider bite, she then was showing me her arm, which had little scars on it, where she was like, yeah, spider bites. What? A bit like, okay, so this is like- You're going to get a scar from it? I mean, I hope not. I haven't oh. even looked. Um, this is when I hold it up and it's just rotting flesh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Infected it's gangrenous, ago. but no scar yet. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, yes, that was my very strange, bitey experience. Mm. And you know what? If they come at me for talking about the show on the podcast, then I'll just, I'll sue them for the uh, the old spider bites. Yeah, this seems like a bit of an infringement of your workers' rights in a I plethora so. of ways. I think you I think you've got a solid case right there. Did I tell you this last time about how I just got what? a message from... <laughs> What about how they like specifically wrote to us saying don't share anything on social media and I just put up a whole carousel of basically yeah like a lovely slideshow I felt like I was there with you I was like what are you gonna do yeah. well it's done I'm sorry I just don't believe anyone is waiting with bated breath for said program maybe I'm wrong maybe we'll all win BAFTAs hey but best orgy the best goddamn orgy that sky history's ever seen oh fuck am i not meant to say what channel oh it's on <laughs> anyway let's move on oh my on. god james no what have i done all right let's talk about so how have you been no no i've no, been no. fine no thank you for asking i was away i was in cincinnati i did a show I had a lovely time great part of the world great part great part of cincinnati <laughs> is that your Marge? That was Marge, yes. That was a very good Marge. I was like, well done. Yeah, and then I got back yesterday and I'm ready to hit the ground running with all my Vicky talk. Whoop. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready yeah. to whoop it up. I am ready to whoop it up. I am. I'm excited. Me too. Mentally, I'm in Andalays right now. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? I think we should go a bit old school and just check in with the voice. Vicky Gumbelson's many voices. We need to warm up, don't we? Because I feel much <laughs> like Erica Jane, it's hard to pin down a Vicky voice because there's a lot of moving parts to it and they kind of ebb and flow depending on her mood. Yes, you're so right. I think as a base, she has a bit of a strong Midwestern twang that comes out. So if you're listening for it, instead of not, she'll be like, nah. And instead of happy, she'll be like, happy. So that comes out a lot. She's she's just yes. a girl from the Midwest when all said and done. And then she does this very, I used the phrase when we recorded last time, honeyed baby voice. And Ellie quite oh. likes it. So I'm going to resurrect it. I loved now. it. She has this very honeyed baby voice that she puts on. If she's trying to project some sort of emotion or vulnerability, you know, I, I just want my friends back. I, I want my friends back. Will you forgive me? Yeah, very much on a beach crying voice. Or if she's trying to get a man sort of voice I actually can't do that Vicky voice I find it really hard I can do a bit of when we were talking about with men her sort of well, 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 I, I don't know what do you want but the actual voice is right on the break in a way that my voice just doesn't yeah do Vicky's voice is exhausting to impersonate because mm-hmm. there's so much air in it as well mm-hmm. on the subject of air we then get this bubbled voice Vicky it's often when she's angry or if she's very excited so i did it a couple of episodes ago with that like i know i have an opinion about it eddie (laughs) i have not been able to get that out of my head and i literally because i didn't even know what the words of the sentence were but i was on the tube yesterday just under my breath going (laughs) (laughs) she's in a state of bubble voice for that whole reunion every line to bronwyn is like turn it down bronwyn i know you had strippers (laughs) It's very in that, goodbye, Kyle. Yeah, very, (laughs) goodbye, Kyle. (laughs) And then, of course, we have the Vicky Demon voice as well. And I think this is where you are going to really have one over me because my voice plays to the strengths of the low husk of Luanda Lazerps, but I can't get to that kind of like squealing piglet height that Vicky gets It comes at a price, I tell you that. Mm. Even... The one from the intro, which I can only ever do if I do Tamara going into it. And she goes, stop letting him tell you what to think. And he goes, he doesn't tell me what to think! It's very good. (laughs) (laughs) Season seven's a good season for her demon voice, because that's also with the 80s Bunko party, where, you know, she's arguing. But she doesn't really have like a, but it's not very quotable, the 80s Bunko party, but I do think that. I think it's the first episode of Orange County I ever saw, potentially. Wow. Yeah, I came in at a really weird time. I've since gone back. How did you not have a heart attack? That's too much Vicky in one well, go. I wa- literally, <laughs> and I was Vicky. just like, holy crap, who right. is this? this person you're right there's not like a memorable line and i had pause thinking about what it was and i looked it up and it the line itself is you're not a mother you have no idea what it's like but i think what's striking about that instance is that it's very it's very squealy i think it's the most demonic her voice ever gets 
But what's funny about it is that she alternates between her demon voice, but she's also trying to leave the party. So she's sort of like going around the room being like kissing people <laughs> on the cheek and saying bye in like a normal voice. So it's literally like, you're not a baby, you're not a baby, what it's like. Bye, 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 sweetie. Oh, <laughs> bye. I'll, I'll see you soon. <laughs> this is disgusting. Shame on you. Bye, I'll, I'll call you. Okay. <laughs> My boyfriend is dead in your process. <laughs> see you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> the contrast is so <laughs> severe and sudden. Oh, God, that's so funny. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I've peaked too soon now. I'm wiped out. I can't do the rest of the episode. So, that was so good. <laughs> Why you, don't you take us back? Speaking of where I came into Housewives, I feel like you are much more articulate on old school Vicky. Like the Vicky who is the OG of Orange County and who really, in many ways, started off this whole thing and was one of the first people to bring the kind of character that stopped the show just being aspirational and made it funny. Mm -hmm. Yes. Intentionally Um, or not. As always, you explained it so succinctly and precisely, and I'm just going (laughs) to waffle and basically restate your point with as many words as possible. So yeah, um, if you haven't seen the early seasons of Orange County, it's very much an acquired taste. They are slow and they're quite dull and they're very sincere and it's the closest that we get to a legitimate docudrama about life behind the gates of Koto de Casa and it tends to follow each woman as an individual and most of her interactions are with her family as opposed to the social dynamics of the group of women and so as a result there's very little in the way of conflict That all seems to change when Vicky is on camera because there seems to be this hilarious thread throughout the entirety of Vicky's life where she has this Valerie Cherish-ness to her where Vicky so clearly goes into scenes thinking she's going to look like this incredible fun mum but she's a working mum and she can do it all and she's whooping it up and loving life but what she actually becomes is just this shrieking monster who's a nightmare to be around. And there's probably three famous instances that we can dissect, and I'll just look at them very quickly. The first one happens, it is that family van scene, and it's probably the best, where we all know it, she's planning on going on a cruise with Don and the kids, and the kids are each bringing some friends, and this tiny little van turns up, and Vicky's expecting (laughs) this limousine. And it is incredibly tame by today's standards, but we do have like a glimmer of demon Vicky that comes out. So it's just this glorious scene of her on her front porch, in this like white 2006 ensemble and she's holding her little Blackberry and she's like, this is Vicky Gumbelson. I am not happy. Why would you send a little family fan to pick up six people? This is not funny. You have a little family fan. You guys are everywhere. Why are you sending a family fan? But you're so right that it seems tame. But what's amazing, I think, is that it's orga- It's like authentic and organic and who she is where now she's capitalized on that and she cracks it out whenever or whatever. But that really is just like, it's what's so amazing about something like Orange County versus Salt Lake City or one of the newer shows that are such hybrids. They're such creations that have studied the original forms mm-hmm. where people like Vicky or Teresa in the first couple of seasons or whatever, there's something extraordinary about the fact that they aren't necessarily playing up to a show because the show isn't supposed to be drama yet. 
Yeah. Maybe maybe less Teresa and more. Oh, no, no, no. Because Teresa had the table flip and things like that. Right. But yeah. It felt in general, and I, I honestly don't know either way how filming works anymore, but inevitably, as the shows have developed over the years, they have a much slicker production value and it feels a lot more organized and the women just get their call mm. sheets and they're kind of treated like actors and they turn up at these set locations to have a set conversation. Here, it feels like they're really roughing it and it is just guerrilla footage on their driveway at eight in the morning. <laughs> Sounds like my time in Budapest. And they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're all covered in spider bites. Having an orgy. <laughs> yeah. The scene really takes a turn after that. That's what they don't show you. But you just feel like it's meant to be B-roll footage and they're never meant to use it. Like they weren't expecting this kind of performance from Vicky. And then there's this great cartoonish bit that she does, which never really makes the cut, where afterwards she's like laughing and crossing herself as she tends to do. And she's like, I was expecting relaxing in a limo with a mimosa. (laughs) And it just summarizes what's so dramatic and comedic about Vicky, this contrast between her expectation versus reality. And even though I said it's pretty tame, what it does is it is a glimpse into the monster that Vicky becomes. And it's funny because then when we cut to the end of her time on the show, sitting on that reunion couch in season 15, being like, this show used to be elevated, not this trash that it is now. It's ironic that Vicky was arguably the first housewife to kind of slowly turn the show into the freak show that we know and love it for, where there is the sense of conflict, even though the the conflict is with a guy on the phone. I wonder if that's quite a good segue, this sense of Vicky the hypocrite. And also, you just said there about her crossing herself, Mm -hmm. particularly in terms of religion. You know, Vicky's similarity to someone like Ramona, who capitalizes on and uses religion when it benefits her and this yeah. whole like kind of catholic schoolgirls thing like that's inappropriate i'm just a cat her hot like how much she loads bronwyn and everything bronwyn stands for because it's a bit like this used to be a a good wholesome show for church going people it's glorious I love it. and it's like the you audacity. ruined our community yeah. the audacity for vicky who whenever it suits her is flashing and endlessly talking about her sex life and how satisfied she is with other people and loves to get drunk on camera to be known as the funnest member of the group the wildest member of the group or whatever it's very galling her fallback on this like i say very ramona singer-esque church lady slash slightly coquettish yes um schoolgirl when she remembers to completely the similarities with ramona are so striking so many It makes sense that they're two of my favorite housewives, I guess. And I think the key, as you just demonstrated, to what makes them glorious characters is that they are insufferable with the double standard and the judgment and the sanctimoniousness and the hypocrisy. But what makes it so satisfying is that they will always reliably be clowned, either by fellow castmates calling it out or the the editors flashing back to a moment where they're not practicing what they preach. Where they're a hypocrite. Absolutely. It's amazing. So if we can jump to this season 14 reunion performance, where just as a side note, I feel like we are sort of allowed this freedom when we're talking about Vicky, because again, much like Ramona, Vicky develops and changes not a jot over the years. There's a lot of consistency in her despicableness, where something she does at the end of her time on the show could easily have happened at the beginning of her time on the show, and it wouldn't look out of character. I feel Mm. like it's not like Luann, where there's definite like beats to her life, where she changes alter egos. Vicky's kind of consistently this monster so at the season 14 reunion she's coming in furious because for some context she's been demoted that year this is the first and only year she's been a friend of and it's she's going to be fired shortly after the season she's furious about the fact that she hasn't been 
at the reunion taping from the very beginning, there's a moment where it looks like she's going to be, you know, siphoned off to the end of the couch as far away from Andy as possible. She throws a big hissy fit. I love those meta moments so much on the show. They're potentially my favourite thing about Housewives ever. And they're almost exclusively happen in reunions when the politics of yeah. the show itself for example the seating arrangement like how close you are sat to andy yeah when they're sort of self-referenced yeah by the show it's just it mm, is yeah. it's endlessly fascinating and just kind of comparing it to danielle where she has a similar situation where she refuses to come out unless she's sitting next to andy and then andy doesn't comply but he does for vicky i think it really makes you realize how much that as however authentic or however much the tr- someone said something really fascinating to me about the Kardashians and about how the Kardashians have lived their life on a reality show for so long that what they've done is effectively make their life a reality show mm-hmm. and then their life is filmed. But they're not playing up to the cameras. They just, that is how they now exist. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a similarity there with people like Vicky and Danielle that what I like about those meta moments is it reminds us that they're businesswomen and they're canny and they care about their standing on the show and they care about the success potentially no one more than Vicky Gumpelson mm-hmm. she's rabid about it and that doesn't mean she's putting uh, Teresa's the same it doesn't mean they're putting on a performance I genuinely believe that they're like terrible people to be around mm-hmm. uh, but they are aware of how much they've given the show and how yeah. much I think that they feel that they hold this capital of in the same way that Teresa's like I've had three kids on the show I've been to prison I've done it all yeah. whatever and you've got that slight sense from Vicky of I've lived out my entire life everything I've had yeah. scam I've lived out and you know stuff we'll talk about later where there's a sense of earning your stripes yeah of I feel like the fury comes from how dare someone who's given less yeah and I kind of get it on something like that where you look at like Gina and Emily and you think you must look and kind of go how dare they be given more opportunity when they're dull as mud that Danielle Dina dynamic of it's not fair that I (laughs) despite my best intentions or no come across like the crazy villain and get paid dust for it and someone like Dina can just skate on by being the boring relatable one that everyone likes and there's no where's the loyalty and the reward but anyway the run-up to it is so funny because Vicky goes into it honestly like she's in Sunset Boulevard or something it's like it's not like she's how much would you pay to watch Vicky (laughs) in Sunset Boulevard I don't know where I'm frightened I know my way around here I know my way around here (laughs) (laughs) She just walks out onto the set and just like one spotlight shines on her. And everyone in her head, everyone's clapping like, Vicky's back. Woo! I've come home at last. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously falls over and breaks her cankle or something. But yeah, so then she's this kind of delusion comes crashing down as she realizes that she is just going to be treated like any other friend of and she's furious about it and she's coming in and she's hot on Bronwyn because in Bronwyn's eyes she's taken her spot on the show and Bronwyn Mm. is this slutty little bisexual and that does not meet Vicky's moral compass and she lays into Bronwyn she's like I don't like the kissing I don't like the nakedness do it off camera 15 years ago I started this show turn it down Bronwyn turn it down and then hilariously (laughs) she's like I lost two clients last week because of that show they said it doesn't meet their moral compass and everyone's like what and then Andy immediately is like we've seen you flash your tits Vicky and then in her bubble voice she's like I didn't do it on camera and then it cuts to Vicky flashing her tits on camera Yep. in Ireland Andy then goes Vicky we've seen you demonstrate how to give a blowjob on the show immediately cuts to Vicky deep throating a dildo and she's like <laughs> I loved every minute of it and then Jean is like you've got so wasted you pissed in beds and then it cuts to Vicky drunkenly pissing her pants on Tamara's bed 
after going out to Andalus. And all Vicky can do after each point is just shake her head in that way she does, where she's like, uh, no, 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 no. And then she makes one more declarative statement about how moral she is. And Andy's like, he literally goes, you realize you're giving us every opportunity to pause and make montages of your wildest moments, right? And then Vicky again in her bubble voice is like, I don't care, do it. And then Andy's just like, okay. And the editors are just like, here we go. And they just take Vicky by the ankles and drag oh. her across the floor. We get Vicky talking about wanting to go swinging. We get a woman talking about kissing Vicky in college. We have Vicky doing a keg stand with a load of college kids. We have Vicky with a stripper. We have Tamara drinking a shot of tequila out of Vicky's cleavage. We have Vicky talking about her vagina. We have Vicky kissing <laughs> Shannon. We have Vicky farting on a pillow. It's the most glorious montage on television and one that I will return to endlessly. It's so funny. And of course, none of this is outrageous. It's not meant to shame Vicky for having fun. She just whooping it up and having a good time but it wouldn't have been dredged up no, in the first the place if Vicky exactly. hadn't tried to wreck on history and make out she's this moral touchstone on a show where she's faked cancer like the gall of it is just stunning it is amazing and I think what's also amazingly consistent about Vicky in a similar mirror image to Ramona Ramona can be relied upon every single season to say something awful mm -hmm. and then be like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry no I am I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry no I really am mm -hmm. or whatever Vicky can be relied on every single season to start shit normally with the new person or whatever and go on a kind of moral crusade against them and to never apologize. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> like she, she takes no ownership for like anything that happens on the show ever. I think it does go back to, and we sort of touched on this with the cancer scam episode where there are certain truths in life like death, taxes, Vicky will hate the new girl on Orange County. And it must yes. be hard for Vicky to exist on this show where there is just this parade of nondescript, big booby, blonde 30-year-olds coming on. We know Vicky is both incredibly insecure about many things, her love life, her looks, but also she has this incredible narcissism complex as well. And I think that's very tricky for her to navigate and mm. comes out in this constant hazing of the new girl, which so clearly mm. comes from a place of insecurity. And I think it does motivate a lot of her often very misguided actions on the show, such as cancer scam. Oh, I thought you were going to say her facelift when they didn't give her the time to recover. Oh my God, she's such a clown. I love that. It's so, again, expectations versus reality. Vicky, season before, Slade did a comedy show comparing her to Miss Piggy. It completely triggered her. Hilariously, she had to do a Watch What Happens Live <laughs> appearance once where her co-star was Miss Piggy. I'm like, that is so <laughs> cruel to do that. She immediately has a facelift after season seven, thinking she has like three months bed rest to get her face in check before they start filming the new season. I believe Brianna went into early labor. So the cameras picked up filming for season eight straight away. Vicky's like two weeks out of having a facelift. And so she's forced to film the first oh half of season eight with the most swollen, beaten up face possible. And everyone's like, oh. is Vicky okay? Has she been stung by a bee? She's such a clown. I love it. Can we talk a bit about her clownishness? Like, Vicky the Klutz. Yes, well, I was going to say the other thing that can be relied upon every single season without fail is for Vicky to have a near-death experience. Oh, I love it. In which she makes the sound similar to the woman who falls out of the grape stomping barrel. Yes. Oh, 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 oh,
<laughs> what was the one we were talking about the other day when when her finger gets caught on the zip wire? Oh, it's so on the yeah. Go ape thing, and it's like, oh, 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 and you've got Tamra being like, Shannon, Shannon, you got her finger. And Shannon's like, oh. yeah, she's like. <laughs> Shannon and Vicky between them are very good physical comedy. It's, it's such a good pairing because it's all trust building on this ropes course. And of course, it's Vicky swaying through the breeze going, whoa, whoa. And then Shannon, who's this nervous wreck, being like, okay, Vicky, you need to hold on to this cable and then step onto that cable, Vicky. And then Vicky get, gets up and then gets her finger caught in this rope. And it's just so funny of Shannon. You would honestly being like, think she's losing stuck, her finger. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Ah, stuck. And then... <laughs> Shannon! No! My finger's gone! (laughs) And it's filmed from this strange angle below where, again, like, Vicky's face just looks so round. The helmet doesn't help, I think. It doesn't, no. She looks so cartoonish. And, of course, Tamara yelling at Shannon, not because she actually wants Shannon to not hurt Vicky anymore. She's yelling at Shannon because Shannon will get turned into more and more of a tizzy. Yeah. Shannon's just frozen in fear, going, oh, oh, no, no, oh, I'm stuck. Ah! It's so good. But also things like The Fall in Jamaica, it's like... You can't believe it's another one where it's like she just slips on her ankle and suddenly it's like it's she makes noises that make my blood curdle. Mm-hmm. And it's you just know there's always going to be that preview of the ambulances arriving. Amazing. <laughs> the neck brace going on. It's like she landed on her foot, but let's just stick a neck brace on. Vicky anyway. in an iron lung out. or like, something. <laughs> yeah, just being wheeled off. Uh, uh. I will. I think there's a couple of points here about. Vicky, where first of all, I can hand on my heart say unironically that Vicky Gumbelson is the greatest physical comedian of our time. She can do a pratfall like nobody else. And of course, a lot of it is exaggerated. And Brianna herself is like, I, after the sand dune accident, she's like, she's really like hyping this up now for attention. But unlike someone like Tamara, I feel like it's not hyped up for the show. I think it's just that is how Vicky goes through life. She has this incredible yeah. knack for walking into misfortune and playing it up for sympathy because she's just a bit of a narcissist. And I think she likes yeah. the attention in real life and it just happens to be caught on camera. But we again, we could go through like, there's a litany of best bits. We have Vicky falling over at that go ape thing before they even get up in the air and she blames the instructor <laughs> for pushing her. She falls over on a surfboard at the beach. She gets helped up and immediately falls back over the surfboard again. We get her getting her hand caught in the door in Ireland and she's like, oh, oh, my arm's caught. Oh, 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 oh. We have Vicky falls off the world's smallest platform in Gina Cleo's backyard. It's like raised by about half an inch and annoyingly the camera doesn't catch it because it's like filming Gina Cleo and let this be a lesson to every cameraman. If if you have a choice, it's not a Sophie's choice. If you have a choice between Gina Keo and Vicky Gumbelson, the camera should always be on Vicky Gumbelson because she's going to do something funny. Always. But then in fairness, Gina provides a good comedic button at the end of the scene where you can just hear her go, ooh, there's a step there. <laughs> like off camera. <laughs> and it's very much a spiritual cousin to, you know, Ramona's. Very scene. much. Should have gone this way. Should have gone this way. <laughs> Similar vein, Vicky falls over when they're bowling and that's caught off camera. But then you hear Heather go, medic, Terry, Terry, medic, medic. (laughs) And then it culminates in my personal favorite moment of Vicky falling ill slash dying is the season 12 trip to Iceland. (laughs) So fucking funny. And I think what makes it unique is that for the... For three quarters of it, and like most of the other times, it's played for drama. There's no like boop, 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 boop music. 
So they've landed, they're in Iceland, they're basically in the Arctic Circle, so it's constantly daylight. Can I just say that that trip generally just looks so awful. (laughs) It's like, you know that thing when everyone's having to be like, wow, constantly on the trips. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of like amazing, beautiful places in Iceland, but everything is just like black rock and Mm -hmm. it's just daytime the whole time. And they all seem miserable. It's kind of miserable. Like they all hate each other as well. They all hate each other on yeah, that season. You're and you right. just can feel that they're like, why aren't we in like Barbados? Or- they're in this weird hotel that kind of looks like something from Twin Peaks, but then they're all themed like these exactly. weird like sex rooms in a Las Vegas hotel. It's like <laughs> Roman Coliseum theme and then like Igloo so theme. It's so bizarre. Um, so yeah, Vicky's basically been on a bender for the last three days and she's been whooping it up any chance she can get. And so she hasn't slept. She's all over the place. It's probably like high altitude and she's not feeling very well. And, uh, what do you do when you don't feel well? You call the police. (laughs) Before anything else, there's not even calling like the local GP, not even calling an ambulance if you must. It's like the police turn up first and we follow the police into Vicky's room and she's like rolling around in her bed and she's all red and sweaty, eyes in the back of her head, looking like she's in The Exorcist. Isn't she being supervised by Peggy as well? Yeah, Peggy. Just makes, that adds a real soapy element to the yes. whole thing. It's got very yeah. like Spanish soap opera vibes. It's annoying in the moment, but Peggy is really key to the ultimate payoff the because she yes, really buys so into right. Because then you kind of get the other women walking in and you get Tamara being like, okay, Vicky, like, if what is it If it was the now? other women, it would have been played as clowning from the start. Right, because they're a right, Peggy to allows it to be played for drama. Yeah. So then eventually, like, a SWAT team of paramedics descend upon Vicky's room and they're like strapping her into all sorts of heart machines and stuff. A doctor eventually walks in and he says something in Icelandic and Vicky looks so confused and like twitchy (laughs) that I think in that moment she thinks she's had a stroke or something and she can no longer comprehend. Like she thinks he's speaking English, but she can, she's like, I, I can't, I can't understand anything anymore. Oh, this is it. I'm going. And then he eventually switches to English. And yeah, you say it's like this dramatic music. Peggy's faffing around. It's very serious. There's this weird moment of unity where the women are all arguing, but then they all get kicked out and they join hands. (laughs) And Lydia leads them in a prayer circle, which again, you think at the time, like Kelly or someone would be like, what? No, it's just stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> but like they all really commit to it. And it's played very seriously. Like it reaches this dramatic climax and they're like, oh my God, Vicky might ha- actually have to go to the hospital. The doors open and then suddenly the music cuts and there's just like the single sound of one squeaky wheel as they just roll Vicky out in a wheelchair, except she's fully covered her body and face with a white dressing gown. And they like have to like pick her up and lower her down the stairs and the music's playing. And everyone's being like, what? What, Vicky? You okay? What's she doing? And then Tamara's like, she thinks she's Michael Jackson. And then we get this like classic Shannon yelling confessional, like, your face with a robe because we're in Iceland. The paps are going to see you. What? <laughs> but what doesn't make sense is that she covers her face wholly and exclusively on the journey from the her journey bedroom from door to, the, to the front of the, to the lobby. And then she like whips it off and like jumps into the back of this ambulance. And it's like, we've seen you in your bedroom. We are seeing you now. I don't know who's benefiting. It's a 
reality show exactly so bizarre oh god really really makes me laugh and it feels appropriate as well it's another very vicky thing that she really takes her mortality very seriously i feel like in general it's a very mum thing to do i don't know about you my mum's always talking about she's gone to like this weird phase in her life where she's like because you know i'm not going to be here anymore and one day you're gonna have to start thinking yeah. about, and I'm like, oh, I don't. My mum did hear that. This. I think last year we were in the car, and my mum was suddenly saying something about being really proud of me, and she was like, from whatever cloud I'm looking down. Oh on, God! Like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's like any cardinal or something in the back garden. They're always like, that's grandma. She's looking over us. There she is. <laughs> Snooping. So, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's just very Vicky to really go on and on about her mortality. And this has been played, I think, both for laughs and it's also been played for tears as well. It is a funny also contradiction in Vicky, isn't it? That it's a bit like her whole kind of like sexy girly thing being contradicted with her infantilizing of herself constantly and her whole sort of I gotta go party Oh, thing. I hate that. Oh, I, it honestly, feel I, quite sick, it pained I, me. I was kind of hoping you were going to say it. Tebra, I gotta go party. Do the impression. I gotta go party, Tebra. Oh. That whole thing being contrasted with her sexy kind of baby girly voice thing that she does with men feels similar to the kind of clownishness being the flip side of this coin of her kind of lofty sense of mortality constantly. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like Ronnie in Vancouver's obsession with... <laughs> With Romulus and like Roman myth, right? But this this sense of this very heightened thing, but in quite a it's it's interesting that she's such a narcissist, but then she has this kind of awareness of how small she is in the grand scheme of things, and how small she is exactly, and that feels yes, that's such a good point. Um, I'm full of them. She is such a sad clown. She's like a clown from an Italian opera. Vicky is multiples and dimensions in ways that are beyond human understanding. And I would love, love to see Vicky made up as a clown with everyone being like, poor little Pierre. <laughs> Where is your Pierre? Basically, if you could take her monologue that she does in Ultimate Girls Trip about like, you tell them she died sad, you know, because she's just broken up with Steve. Do you not remember that? No. She's like, I want to die with joy in my heart and I don't have joy anymore. My love tank is empty. And you tell them if she were to die now, she died sad. And it's like Phaedra and Tamara and Brandy on the bed. And then again, immediately they're all like, oh, shut the fuck up. You're an idiot. And like (laughs) laughing at her. And then like the goofy Alex McCord music comes in again. But you could take that and turn it into an aria. And I think it would be beautiful. So we have it played for comedy in something like the Costa Rica trip in season seven um, that we kind of touched on with the Alexis Bellino episode where it's like the morning after Alexis has gone home early because she feels like she's been bullied off the show. They all have this like day of whitewater rafting, some great Vicky physical comedy moments there. They go whitewater rafting so much on OC. I swear hey, every other trip it's a whitewater rafting. If it rafting. ain't broke, don't fix it. If you need a little hit of comedy of good TV, stick Vicky in a dinghy, send her down to some rocky whitewater rafting, <laughs> rapids. some rapids, and stick the camera as close to Vicky's face as possible from yeah. the least flattering angle. In a helmet. It's always yeah. going to be TV gold. <laughs> so they do that. They've really bonded over that. And then they go into the rainforest and they have this beautiful ceremony where they each have a little sapling and they're going to plant them one by one and each sapling represents a different woman and eventually they're going to grow and become these humongous trees that currently surround them now and there's a lot imbued into it and it's a lovely spiritual moment and when it's Vicky's turn she walks up to 
the sapling and then just turns to the ladies and with this blank vacant expression in her little baby voice she says apropos of nothing you know what's going to be sad it's one day when one of us dies and then she like immediately (laughs) starts tearing up and the camera just cuts to the blank faces of the other women as they're having to like (laughs) grapple with vicky's existential crisis and they're trying to like walk (laughs) her back off of that ledge and then she eventually collects herself and then she goes to plant the sapling and then she breaks it in half <laughs> and then she immediately starts crying and laughing and then they say that that was Alexis's tree which then like sets her <laughs> off even more. That's like the best comedic moment of Vicky mm. dicing with death on the show. And then in classic Vicky manner, we have probably the worst that you could get of dicing with death on the show i think the worst that anyone has and i think such a -a one-of-a-kind moment on the shows apart from maybe taylor's experience in the first couple of seasons yeah um, true beverly hills but however what's shocking i think is that taylor's experience felt like it was captured because the show wasn't 100 percent sure where their moral compass or obligation was at Mm -hmm. and i think what's interesting with what happens with vicky is that it's pretty late into housewives and i don't know if it was any other housewife if they would keep filming. I certainly don't think that they would be allowed to air the footage. But I think that in a similar way to someone like Teresa, like we said, Vicky's all-in-ness with the show means that we have this footage of Vicky discovering that her mum has passed away at a Bronco party. Do I mean Bronco? Bunko. Bunko. Bronco is... I'd love to see Vicky at a Bronco party (laughs) as well, though. Jeez. At a Bunko party and it really is one of the most upsetting bits of footage in the housewives canon i remember the first time i saw it it i found it so shocking and i wasn't really sure how i felt about it and i found it really upsetting because it is just such raw unfiltered grief mm-hmm. and i still don't know 100% how i feel about it but i i definitely think there's something extraordinary and we say this all the time about how these shows give an opportunity for all of their performativeness and for you know when someone sits down next to you and watches for a bit and they're like oh but it's all for the cameras or whatever and it really bugs me because I'm always like it's that thing we always come back to of it's reality show and they ultimately they all know it's for the purpose of a show we know it's for the purpose of entertainment we know god knows how heavy-handed Tamara's got in the most recent season like the desperation to force storylines that doesn't take away though from those moments where the cameras happen to capture actual life things happening Mm -hmm. yeah that i'm not sure where else one has the opportunity to see human reaction and emotion in that unfiltered way Mm -hmm. because what they capture is something that no one would ever choose to have a record of yeah they do a really good job of keeping it unfiltered as well maybe i'm misremembering but it doesn't feel sensationalized in the moment there doesn't feel like a lot of post-production thrills it's just kind of like one single shot following vicky listening to a voice that you can't hear on the other end of a landline well they must have been so uncomfortable i mean they completely must have just been yeah like everyone's off piece like- yeah Exactly. And you really can see in the response of all the other women as well. It really shocks everyone to their core. And it, you know, we talk about these two sides of the coin with Vicky. Similarly to her unabashed loudness and silliness and clownishness, in her grief, she is totally and unashamedly loud and doesn't hold back in any way and i wonder if it had been any of the other women we think of shannon or we think of heather or something like that i think there would have been a degree of control yeah because of this awareness of not just the show but the fact that they were around a lot of other people and 
I don't know many people who have Vicky's ability to be such an unfiltered version of themselves. I've said unfiltered like 11 times but in the last you five know, minutes, but, but it, it's it the is right exactly descriptor. what it is. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, she doesn't hit any wall with it of like, okay, she's straight to the floor. I mean, she's screaming like a child. She's asking where her mother is like a child. She goes to Why denial. won't she wake she's up? Got, oh. it's, I mean, it's awful. It's such a rarity. I've, I think we've said this before, but one of the reasons I love Housewives is that I know that this kind of sounds pretentious, but hey, I'm not going to change my tune now. But as an actor, I find it so fascinating, those pieces that pierce through what otherwise you would find on scripted television and you see a genuinely Mm. unique human reaction to something that affects all of us that is very useful as an actor. Like I've never seen anybody genuinely in real life find out that their parent has died in real time on television before and the awkwardness that comes with it it really reminds me of um again gonna get more pretentious but the scene in um Macbeth where Macduff finds out that his wife and children have died and what Shakespeare does Mm. really well is that he picks up on the kind of the awkwardness of that where he's in shock and he just has this repetition of oh so my wife's dead right okay and my kids are dead as well he's okay right And is my wife dead? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, you said that. Which feels so real. And the same, like the repetition of Vicky of why won't she wake up? It gives me chills every time. And I think I said in the very first episode we ever did, kind of with my tongue in cheek, that I love the housewives because it there's like my copy of the complete works of Shakespeare. There's this quote by Judy Dench on the back. And she's like, this is the essential handbook for anyone who's felt love, happiness, jealousy, fear, confusion, blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of what I said about housewives. It's also Vicky as well. Like Vicky has shown us the full breadth of human experience in a way that is very much unfiltered, that is often, more often than not, flawed and doesn't necessarily reflect well on her in terms of looking like a good person. But I've been thinking a lot, especially with new Real Housewives of New York and people, you know, being like, this is what New York should all be about, like fun, relatable women and Ugh. relatability i think when it's applied to housewives is such a uh narrow convenient term where what they mean by that is they want how like denise richards acted when she was on beverly hills like turning up with like a messy bun and jeans and being like i thought this was a barbecue like why is everyone in their ball gowns huh? only in beverly hills i can't keep up with these girls it's like a very sanitized form of relatability where you're like i wear jeans as well at home like i'm just like denise yeah what actually I find a much more interesting form of relatability is the kind that Vicky has, where I don't know about you or anyone listening at home, but I can certainly relate to Vicky's moments of righteousness and being judgmental and being jealous and being delusional sometimes and being insecure and wanting to be loved. Like mm. it's that almost Alex McCord effect where I think the reason why people are often so repelled by Vicky mm. is because we do, whether we, we like it or not, see the dark sides of us within her. And yeah. she, in, as a result, becomes such a compelling anti-hero in a way that I think very few people have been fully fleshed out on any kind of TV, even sort of prestige television. I honestly, in a weird way, think she's right up there with like Don Draper. And I think it's incredibly rare to see an honest, believable portrayal of genuinely morally gray characters on television, especially for women, especially for women of a certain age. And Vicky is just that. And... If I can just like get on my soapbox for a second, I feel like a lot of TV writers, most of whom are still straight 
men feel a need to present this very rote take on an anti-hero where they're almost always this like fedora wearing man that i find a bit boring and if heaven forbid there ever is a female villain or an anti-hero there's this pressure to kind of give them to some explain. traumatic backstory it's like yeah. cruella Deville, or you know it's like oh she yeah. whatever happened whereas vicky she's kind of given this freedom to just exist as this very morally flawed complicated person. flawed character but yet we still are capable of feeling empathy for her Weirdly, even in the cancer scam, I can judge her for her actions, but I can still get inside Vicky's head, mm. knowing her as a character for the last 15 years and being like, her desire to have companionship will lead her to do crazy things because the thought of being like without- so many any- of us. Yeah, I think that's a very yeah. human experience. And it is so human. That's so true. So A, I just felt like the flash just then. James was talking and I went and- <laughs> Got, got an Amazon parcel and ran back. And honestly, it felt like the music it was, was like, seamless. Yeah. <laughs> I was holding the fort there. But I still had you in my ears. Oh, you did? Okay, good. good. Um, also, just going back to Shakespeare, if I ever told you about when a guy I dated <laughs> pointed in his room to a book and was like, got a book of Shakespeare's plays? And I was like, cool. get complete works of Shakespeare. He's like, yep. <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest description. <laughs> Book of Shakespeare's plays. Um, I think that's also true. And I think that that is why she's been so important on the show. And I guess I'd want to end by talking about the fact that she's returned to the show. Mm. And I was quite excited about that and quite disappointed in the way that the show sort of handled her return by sticking her straight in a scene with... Tamara and Shannon in which Tamara's trying to shoehorn in a drama that Vicky's actually not a part of mm-hmm. which makes her this slightly like weird she it's it's really keeping her in that relegated like friend of status even more than ever yeah by having her sort of sitting there being like what she's the liar she's a big liar face yeah. uh but <laughs> yes. like not get to actually be a part of it and she's just there being like woohoo let's you know tequila and then like turning up at a party where she's not even given a doppelganger person to be she's just got a keg and it just all feels a bit sad i do think the shows have been going on for long enough now where we've had enough og housewives go away and then come back in a friend of role lest we forget someone like danielle and it's never going to be the same and it does feel slightly Danielle's just... <laughs> <was> pretty good <laughs> but like the joy of danielle is following her in the first person like don't get me wrong she's great yeah. in group scenes but like we need her at home no you're right twirling her finger around her hair being like I don't know I think that they're trying to kill me you know and (laughs) it's just so sad to have that part of her deprived from us and it just feels like I don't know if you producers know what makes these characters so compelling yeah but I do wonder whether that's partly it's partly on the producers but it's partly if Vicky's not in a relationship right now or something it's quite hard to follow we almost need her to be blinded by some other awful guy or whatever yes give it time she will she will find one I have faith that she will. I honestly, I'm slightly worried. It's like Shannon in this current whole situation of everyone saying that John is a bad guy. And I'm just like, where are they finding all of these terrible men? I know. And why can't any of them just like find a nice, like even John I thought seemed okay. And I know that that's obviously, I'm only getting, you said something really intelligent to me last time we recorded about the men now obviously they used to feel like they were captured more organically by just the show following families around Mm -hmm. but now that they're sort of part of the call sheets and things like that Mm -hmm. it feels like they're able to give a much more monitored show of their relationship which is how you get someone like shannon being like i don't want any of the bad stuff yeah put out there where obviously that's complicated but it is also 
God, it would be so depressing if she had gone from like one bad guy to another, a bit like the whole Vicky Steve thing. I know. It's hard to judge, isn't it? Because if the people saying it are, first of all, the likes of like Emily and Gina, where it's like, I'm not taking mm. their relationship advice by any means. And yeah. also Tamra, who I think is probably, if she just knows if she says it enough Tamra to Shannon, she will. Tamra is doing the worst job this season. <laughs> she- Honestly, they've got her back and she is doing such a bad job. The bit with um, what's her name, where she was like, you better watch it, Tara. And she was like, she just told me to fucking watch it and then just throw a napkin in her right. face. And it was just like, you've got bad at this. Like you've got- I think she's a little rusty. I think- She is rusty. There was a big misfire with Shannon at the beginning. And I think that was legitimately quite embarrassing to see a former Titan like Tamra kind of just completely misfire with that. Just try and start some drama and then have like a fake makeup session do her fake crying and even Shannon didn't really fall for it and was just like okay Tamara but I think she's greasing the wheels a bit and she's getting back into things I think she has a good long game going ahead with Heather right now where she's sowing the seeds with Shannon and Heather can see it coming as well I'm really enjoying Heather at the moment she's putting in a great performance I loved her argument with Taylor Taylor's a very strange addition. It doesn't feel like she... She's kind of I crap. Just, she kind of can't hold her own. She's crap. <laughs> and also I'm like, oh, but I just don't think Taylor belongs on reality TV. And because I don't think she wants to argue with anyone. But I think she seems quite nice, but also like she's trying to do the show and it just doesn't, it's not a good fit. But I really enjoyed Heather's The IMDb Fight. The way Heather went into such Heather mode of, she argues so slowly, but articulately and not yeah. leaving any room where it's like- Not only is it- ap- yeah. yeah, not only is it this, but I actually don't appreciate. And you know what's more? And it just goes, where I'm just like, ah, to be able to argue like Heather. It's not only anti-women, it's just not nice. It's just not nice. So good. Uh, but you're right, she can see it coming. And it's funny because Heather's the smartest of all the women and it's tricky. I really admired that thing. You know, the lunch where everyone was like, and also Heather, you did this. And she just copped and she was just like, well, I'm really sorry mm-hmm. with all of them. Because you can tell she can see that she's the target for the season. Yeah. And she's trying to do the really clever thing, which is to just constantly diffuse. And the same when Shannon was like, I heard that Terry's having, and she was just like, mm, nah. No. Like he's not. Yeah. That's it. And I just think. It's a strange one because I do think that Heather is very villainous. And I hate when when the show positions her, especially last season, as sort of this aspirational hero who was kind of the reason why they got rid of Noella, who I thought was fantastic television. But now (laughs) she kind of is getting a villain edit. And I think it's really unwarranted and unjustified. (laughs) And yeah, it's just fascinating. Heather can see it. She's smart. She knows Tamara's book of tricks. She can see this coming from a mile away, but there's nothing she can quite do tactically. She doesn't really have any allies right now. They should have kept Noella and had Tamara come back and had those two go head to head. That would have been been great. Imagine Vicky and Noella. I mean, Vicky would go into a Buttering meltdown. Bring Bronwyn back. God damn it. God, if I was running the show. Bring back Bronwyn. (laughs) (laughs) We know you dated and had strippers, which is weird. (laughs) Love her. Uh, What should we talk about next week? Shall we? Do you want to talk about Carol Radzawill? Okay, so James has suggested this thing to me, which I think is going to be slightly painful because I feel I might have to mourn an idea that I had of Carol that something tells me you're going to... Oh, really? Say I was wrong. No? I feel like we, over the years, have had a lot of conversations about Carol, and I think we've made our positions pretty clear, and I think... Oh, and you think you've you've changed your I mind? I think I've changed my mind, yeah. So okay, maybe we'll, well, then, yes, I w- we'll yeah, find a lot of common good. ground. So yeah, I think next week we'll talk about 
Carol in general, her time on the show, there are definitely, in my opinion, different iterations of Carol that are worth investigating. Of course, and ending climactically with this big blow up that she has with Bethany. I think there's a lot to unpack there. And I'd like to hear your thoughts. I can't wait. Amazing. See you then. Oh, James, I can't believe it. It hasn't recorded. Stop. No, don't, don't. <laughs> That's not funny. That's not, not funny. What? <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. It was funny. Oh, come on, it was funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. Funny. <laughs> it was funny. Thank it's you for joining us on the Housewives Archives. If you enjoyed the show, then leave us a review or give us an old star rating, or you could simply tell a friend. That's great too. Expand the community. Not a star rating, a five star rating, if possible. I, yes, yes, only perfect. exclusively a five star mm-hmm. rating. If you give us a one star rating, we will hunt you down and we will kill you. <laughs> And we will force you to listen to more stories about spider bites. Um, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to talking in the morning. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>